I'll wave my private parts at your aunties. Welcome to Black Irish Podcast. new episode of black irish podcast with myself brendan mccorkle and my special guest today dave dot carter there is no one hotter what's up dave how you doing buddy what's going on buddy how you doing excellent excellent um for those of anybody who don't know i've spoken about dave on the podcast before here and there he's one of my comedy buddies that i just happened to fall into the good graces of uh he's known as the mayor of the open mic he's just always there with a helping word and a and a kind Kind grasp. Um, give it up for the mayor, Dave Carter. So, Dave, we have kind of just barely gotten into each other's lives. There's a lot of new people that I'm kind of, you know, entangling myself with. You're one of my my prime favorites. And But that being said, we don't really know a lot about each other. We know that we like hanging. We know that we like talking. We could kind of talk about anything, which is why you're here. But other than you being from Chicago... I don't know a whole lot about you, man. That's what it takes to be a friend as a man. That's it. I I'm love it. Chicago. I'm not from Chicago. Wow. Yeah. Let's get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about Chicago and I'll tell you about the other place. Yeah, nothing really to tell. Um, I got on the service and went back to Chicago to study improv and Second City and IO Improv Olympic and then I moved out here to put it all into action. So but did you did you grow up in Chicago, or was that were you kind of like an early transplant to Chicago? Uh, from Chicago, born and and partially raised. Uh, nine years there, nine years in Memphis, nine and a half years in service. So I was pretty evenly spread. I've lived in L.A. longer than I lived anywhere at this point. Okay. And uh, yeah, I've been out here over twenty. So. And so when you entered the service, was that right out of high school? You went just yeah. Army army brat right Air off Force. the bat? Air Force. Yeah. Air Force, that's right. Air Force. And how, okay, my sister was in the Air Force. She was, but not really in the Air Force. She was like the ambassador on USO tours and stuff eventually. Like she, you know, she was, she did her service. Don't get me wrong. She's the same as everyone else. She just had a lighter duty than most. What were you... What did you sign up as, and what did you end up retiring as? Uh, I signed up to be in transportation, but then I ended up getting a gig. Uh, then I ended up working for a general for a while, and then I ended up going off to broadcasting school, and I became an Air Force broadcaster. And uh, finished at E-4. Okay. Know, just E-4, but uh, yeah, but I had a great time the whole way around. It was Cold War. Cold War was happening, so it was a lot of sport to play volleyball for a living for a while. That was good. That was my day job in the military. Worked like two hours a day. And then I uh, played volleyball the rest of it. So it was good. Amazing. And now now you have a kid who plays volleyball and basketball. Is that right? Yeah, and softball. And she just finished her first musical. She just did Suzuko the Musical. My goodness. Yeah, um, yeah. Dave's daughter is quite the uh, the rock star, the young rock star coming up in the industry. Um, and we both have our own Cocos. We both have our own yeah. Cocos. Yours is, that's a nickname that we have for our kids. Yours is, your, your daughter is what, 10 now? That's her nickname too. Her name is Cordelia Coco. Okay. Carter, yeah. And then we have Connor as our four-year-old. And so Connor Coco's as well. We have another nickname for him, but that one I use in my jokes. <laughs> Dude, okay. I can't imagine, number one, having a girl. Number two, having a girl that, like, earns money. That's your child. Trying to tell them what to do. I got a tough enough time with my four-year-old. Like, I walk in the living room, see him picking his nose. I'm like, hey, dude, please stop doing that. 
And then he'll just flat out be like, I wasn't. I'm like, okay, dude. I just literally caught you in the action. No big deal. Please stop picking your nose. Go wash your hands. Is he like in there like I wasn't? No. Yeah. Like in there, like and digging like, for gold. I, I wasn't. I says wasn't. I wasn't the finger there. And I'm like, listen, man, no children need to be harmed in the addressing of this behavior. However, if you tell me no, I wasn't one more time, I don't know where my hands are going. Get in the bathroom and wash your damn hands. But it's like I'll argue constantly with a four-year-old about like, hey, man, all you have to do is not argue with me. And everything's fine. I cannot imagine. Is your daughter like that at all? To where she's just like, well, daddy, let me tell you how it is today. <laughs> First off, she does not earn money yet. Okay. And, um, but no, she's uh, she's pretty well behaved. She listens pretty well. But I used to scare her. with. I used to, I used to throw the deadliest things at her. Like she'd cry and whine. I'm like, can't be whining like that. I showed her a video of a tiger attacking a child on a, on a game show. The kid was whining, and the tiger started getting aroused. And then he went after the child. I'm like, Coco, you got to be careful. This could happen on the streets. She just thinks there's tigers the attacking kids that don't behave. She did. I think she did. I don't know if she does anymore, but she's just learned to behave. Therefore, no tigers come around. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I have tried threatening my nine-year-old he's he doesn't like anybody to get in trouble he smells a whiff of trouble and he's like what can we do to fix this my four-year-old is like where's the trouble let's go set it on fire so i like i'm literally like i will take everything out of your room everything like i can't I don't, i'm not gonna hit him i'm just like what can i do i'll take away all your favorite stuff before I can get in this kid's room, he's just in there just throwing things out of his room over his shoulder. I don't care about this. I don't care. Like, he's helping me. Like, what are you going to do next, Dad? I'm like, oh, my God. I have no course of action but to reason with this terrorist on a regular basis. And it's not going well. <laughs> Never reason with terrorists. Uh, Never. It's, it's literally, but then the problem is he's the sweetest, cutest little asshole ever because then the next, like, I'll just be so frustrated with him. Like, I don't know what to do with you. And he's like, I love you so much, daddy. I'm like, not right now. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Parenting or military? Which one was easier? I think parenting is at this point because a lot of it's not on my plate. A lot of it's on my wife's plate. She's been momaging Coco for a while now through her career and take, taking her places and getting her to practice and getting her to auditions and getting her prepped and ready for school. I wanted a puppy when we got married. <laughs> I asked for a puppy to practice with, and she says, no, we're having a baby right now. And I'm like, by um, fire. okay. So when the baby started waking up in the middle of the night, I'm like, that's your puppy. You need to go get <laughs> handle that i am not dealing with it so i got out of a lot of stuff that way uh you're like i agreed to feed it i agreed to play with it from time to time and watch it sleep a lot <laughs> yeah because you know when you get a puppy most of the time whose job does it become who cleans up after a puppy it becomes dad's job i'm like i'm not cleaning up after this puppy <laughs> this is your puppy thank god your daughter didn't come out hairy like a puppy What'd you do then? She'd just only have to try out for Teen Wolf sequels. That'd be rough. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of idiots, as kids are, but kids are idiots because they're ignorant. Adult idiots, that's a whole nother story. Tell me about it. So, I, I don't like getting into anything political necessarily on here, but sometimes it's interesting to to watch the behavior of these knuckleheads. Now, I'm going to tell you something right off the bat, Dave. I'm an ignorant adult. I have I have trouble when I see burning swastikas. I don't understand it. Because I'm like, wait, is that a good thing or a bad thing? We're getting rid of them, right? No, is it where you burn them? Is it how you burn them? It's very confusing. But I'm, I'm all about people doing their protests and whatnot. But I have to, I have to, when it gets down to brass tacks, we've got certain things here with like Donald Trump being indicted and all this stuff. 
how how do people justify protesting somebody who is being criminally charged and breaking the law when supposedly they're saying that this person is above the law like are you like there are certain camps of this <laughs> that I've seen outside of this Trump indictment that they're like listen it doesn't matter if he broke the law he knew he was doing the right thing and it's like aren't you supposed to be these quote-unquote proud Americans these patriots that are upholding the very foundation of this country but then you're saying like no we can give this guy a slide because he's funny on TV I don't get it Dave I don't think I don't I don't think there is any kind of one line. I think it's the idea of people are idiotic and people are semi-idiotic. And then there are people that are like, I'm not, I'm not messing with any of this bullshit. Yeah. Right. So, and it's like those three groups. And so the camps, the camps all work themselves out in the sense of, well, I'm going to go protest this. you like, that's the semi idiotic people. And it depends. It doesn't matter what the protest is, whether it's for Black Lives Matter or for the president or for what have you. People are like, well, I'm a, I'm offended by that. I'm offended by the whole idea that I'm going to go protest. Okay, go protest. Have fun. Then you have the people that are like, no, what we need to do. What we need to do up in here is <laughs> get some guns and go storm a capital. You're like, those are the idiotic people. They're like, it's going to be a race war. We're all coming into it. Everyone knows it's happening. Let's go do this. And you're like, uh, yeah, let's go be on the right side of history. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. And then you have the people that are like, don't know where to be. The people that are like, just like, I'm not, I'm not for any of it. It's like, we just watch it all burn. Yeah, I'm I'm in between semi idiotic and don't give a shit. Yeah, watch it burn to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I that, on this next time around, I don't know what we're gonna do, but we gotta do something. It's so weird. It's like I think a lot of these protests are still stagnant and hanging around because while COVID was happening and we were in the middle of a pandemic and everybody started to go outside again, they're like, you know what? Protesting is the thing we can do when we can't go to work. So it became a thing where everybody, once they got locked in, everybody's like, my opinion matters just as much as everybody else, which that's completely true. The difference is a lot of people were bored with their opinions and it felt like they needed to go do something because they were just sitting at home and then now it's like the world and the United States in particular is kind of like refiguring out like, okay, this COVID thing, it's kind of like a flu. It's not that big of a deal. You will keep getting it, but you'll also keep getting over it. The initial swoosh in was kind of shit. But then people are still behaving as if we're still under a lockdown in certain certain categories. Some are fine. Some are like oh, like protection with masks and stuff. Some people don't take them off ever now. Good for you. Fine. Do your thing. But then some people are also not going to work and protesting stupid shit. And you're like, man. Especially people that look like me, Dave. All of us fucking white people that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Like, man, we white guys went under the radar with not having a holiday for so long. We went under the radar with not having a day to call us out for so long. Like, we just barely kind of tiptoed around our Christopher Columbuses and things of this nature. It's like, we, okay, we're getting out of here, getting out of Juneteenth. We're getting out of here, swimming through these murky waters. And then some idiot in a raccoon hat pops his head out of the swamp on January 6th. And now, bing, now white guys have a pinpointed day of hate. Bunch of idiots. I think it's the idea of, like, as white men go, it's like you guys felt like you you guys were losing the country. How are you losing? Not a, I don't know. I don't no know, loss. Dave. This is where I go from semi-idiotic to fucking burn it down because it doesn't make sense anyway. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying is maybe we try this. If Trump gets 
indicted or whatever. Maybe he's got to play quarterback for the Patriots all season because they're going to suck anyway. And Colin Kaepernick can be in office for as long as the NFL season is going. So for 20-some-odd weeks, we do the old switcheroo and see who has a higher winner percentage at the end of the... Freaky Friday it. Yeah, Freaky <laughs> Friday, Kaepernick, and Donald Trump. Ah. Oh. That would be fantastic. But that, like, I also don't understand how everybody's like, Trump 2024, this man is being indicted right now. How do you, how do you not, like, you know, those stickers stay on your car forever. You can't get the glue off. Not ever. I think people want people to notice them. At this point, everyone wants to be noticed after being locked in the house. Like, look at me. Look at me. I'm outside. Yeah. I'm outside. <laughs> Between and, that and social media, like everybody just being on social media inside, seeing what everybody else is doing, they're like, I'm just as important as everybody else. And you're like, yeah, you are. I'm up before one. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, between that and then the uh, the only other thing I, I can't seem to wrap my head around is the student loans thing. Did you did you go to college or it was just all through the military? I, uh, I use my GI Bill kind of stuff. I use Voke Voke Rehab to uh, go to community college and get my certification. So right on. Yeah, my sister did similar thing where she did her own community college stuff on her own and then had uh, had the Air Force pay for her to be a Gamecock. So. I, I highly encourage anybody that's in the military, use what they give you for crying out loud. That's one of the things they, they recruit you with is the sign up like, hey, if you ever want this, it's really valuable. And unfortunately, I don't think enough people take advantage of that. I almost missed my GI Bill. I missed my GI Bill and I ended up taking folk rehab uh, because they would let me use it for the school I wanted to go to. Like I couldn't use GI Bill at that point. And it was an interesting choice to make, but I mean, it, it worked out pretty well. I like, I like what I got into. Yeah. I mean, thankfully you got into what you got into. Otherwise you wouldn't be here with me right now. Dig it. Well, yeah, true. So talking about student loans, do you think that breast implants are like student loans for strippers? <laughs> uh, is it kind of one of those things where you buy it and at the time it's to better your future, but then by the time it's paid off, you're like, I'm not even using these anymore. And yeah, you, you can't give them back, but I think you should have to give them back. I think you need to have to give them back when you're done with them. Breast implants or student loans? Uh, breast implants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when you're done think, with them. Yeah. Like you're like, well, I'm not using these anymore. This doesn't go with my degree in women's studies. <laughs> so, I think I should give these back and just go back to being a B. Yeah, but then you have, oh, saggy tit skin. That's gross. <laughs> it's like losing a bunch of weight. Everybody's proud of you, but then they're like, I still don't want to see you naked. <laughs> mm, yeah. Listen, man, I, think... I don't care. All boobs are good. I like all boobs, all sizes, all letters, yeah. all numbers. They're all good. But if you got some crooked nipples or some whack nipples, I'm out of here. I can't deal with that. <laughs> if they're crooked, I, I, I agree with you. Like, whoa, what happened there? Like, or if, uh, like, they're googly eyes and one's bigger than the other one, and you're like, I don't know which one to look at here. Now, that can happen naturally. That can happen naturally. But yeah. But the idea of going, like, okay, uh, so here's money, here's money, here's money. Get your boobs done, get your boobs done. And now you're off to school, and it's like, uh, hey, my eyes are up here. <laughs> Stop staring at my boobs. I think I think there's something to, I don't know. I think there's something to the madness. And then the idea is like, well, you got your degree now. Can we have the boobs back? Yeah, I, I would take that, like, you know, the whole, uh, hey, I'm just stripping to get through college. I think that should be like an elective credit. I actually dated a stripper going, working her way through college. Now she's a professor. She's an associate professor. Dr. So. Honey. <laughs> what are the worst stripper names? Chance. I don't, know I don't know anymore. Car names. Car name Mercedes. 
Yeah, but those are just generic, you know, like ecstasy, blah, blah, blah. What about like Aidlin? Aidlin. <laughs> Heavy on the AIDS. That's scary to I me. I've never heard of an Aidlin. Well, not as a stripper, but as a person. You never heard of an Aidlin as a person? Aidlin? You need to hang out with more Asian people, dude. That's okay. like the Asian girl, white girl. Clash of the Titans. Usually if they have like an Asian mom or dad and a white counterpart, Adolin comes out a lot. Okay. I don't know why. Because I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Chance is always, I don't want any stripper named Chance. Chance the Rapper is the only one I know. Yeah. Chance the Stripper? No thanks. Yeah. I'll move right along on that. Yeah, I don't want to take a chance on that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did you uh, switch it over to taking chances? I did not do well betting on the uh, March Madness tournament. Did you watch any of it? I watched a lot of both tournaments, and nobody had a good bracket, I think, on the men's side at all. I don't yeah. think anyone – I wonder who made it all the way through. I wonder if there was anyone who won. I didn't even look that up. There isn't. There was, there was not one bracket that was clean – after the Sweet 16. Out of everybody in the entire world that registered online for these tournaments, not one of them made it past the Sweet 16. Which is bananas. Usually there's one or two people that make it into like the Final Four where people start to track. But nah, this was game over from jump. So there's no one who made it to the, final, to the end? Nobody won the big old whole prize of you got... A totally green and clean bracket. Not one person in the world. Well, not a clean bracket, but the idea of, like, I got the winner. Like, someone got the winner, no one got the winner. Oh, people got the winner, definitely. But nobody got a clean bracket. Where usually there's at least a couple going into the Elite Eight Final Four, and there was just Sweet 16, it was gone. <laughs> it was, like, the yeah. earliest in tournament history. I mean, I will say that uh, UConn men ended up winning the men's tournament, which was... I mean, they dominated. They beat every single team in the tournament by 10-plus points, including yeah. the championship game. So I don't know what that says about their regular season or anything, but, man, when it came time to win, they knew how to do it. And they shut everybody down, like, from jump. So kudos to them. They're, you know, I hate that everybody's already, like, back-to-back -back titles, question mark. It's like nobody expected them to win this one. Can you Well, relax? they have the most titles in the – on this end of our century, I guess. Like, they have the most since 2000. Yeah, I think that's four since 2005 total. Five, yeah, yeah. Because I think they won one in 90, like the late 90s. I don't know if it was 2000. But it was either four or five. But they're definitely... College basketball, men's college basketball in particular, is super, super cyclical like that. Like, there will be your Kentuckys, your Dukes, your your Kansas, all of these top-tier basketball schools. But to win back-to-back -back doesn't happen very often. It usually goes in a loop. Like, Miami will win something, and then they won't win for six years, and then they'll have one team that goes to the Final Four again, and then they won't see it again for another six years. Villanova is yeah. another team like that. Um, you know, there's just... They seem to go in spreads, whereas you go to women's college basketball... And you've got your standards. Like, for a long time, Brittany Griner and Baylor were unstoppable. And then UConn just always had their run. Uh, Tennessee. Geno. Tennessee had it with Pat Summit. Like, they would, like, in women's basketball, it's closer to the NBA, where if you have the best player on your team, you're probably going to win. And if you don't, you need to have a team that's been together like a UConn to where they've been playing together for three years. So they know where everybody's going to be all the time. It's a lot more steady progression in women's college as opposed to men's, which is just who can we sign? Because men's college basketball is a lot of one and dones now. One and done but or the two idea and of done. The whole transfer portal changes a lot of that in women's and in men's now where it's like, like, LSU has only been together since this summer. Right. Like, they got nine new pieces, and they pulled it all together. 
over the Gamecocks. They were 42-0. and 0. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's like, you know. And then they beat the yeah, best we, player in the yeah. in the league in Caitlin Clark. And yeah. did you see this uh, this backlash over the celebration yeah. about, you know, pointing to the ring and you can't sit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just beat the best player in college basketball. You're the best player on the winning team. And not for nothing, this chick on Iowa has been talking trash to everybody that she's been beating, saying that she can back it up. The one time she doesn't back it up, somebody else talks trash to her, and now it's an issue. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. (laughs) It's like, hey, it's sportsmanship. It's like, hey, if a rival, not a friend, a rival on the other team who's talking smack leading up, you beat them down, and it's official, and there's still time on the clock, I am in your face. Sorry, buddy. Maybe next time, don't talk shit to me. That's, learn your lesson. (laughs) And if you can't back it up that day, you better be able to take it, because everybody else that you've been dishing it to had to take it. I don't like this everybody jumping on like, hey, that's too much. Nah, man, just won a national title when you weren't supposed to. In your face. Yeah. Otherwise, the Caitlin Clark like, game was kind of incredible, though. Like her game was just like. It's do they more, say on fleek anymore? Do they even say on fleek? I don't know, but uh, yeah, her game was was tight. Yeah, it didn't start super strong in the title game, but she she found it. She found her spots. You know there. Because obviously anybody that goes up against Iowa, their number one game plan is stop Caitlin Clark. So they did for the first, you know, quarter-ish. And then she really found a groove. And then towards the end, you're like, oh, God, she might. She's one of the few players where you're like, she she might could do anything. I don't know. I got to watch yeah. this whole game. And then so if yeah. you're a player going up against that and you have all that stress and nerves up against you... And it's like, oh my god, we killed Goliath? Yeah, you're going to be a little excited. You're going to be pumped up. Not in my house. My ring today. Back up. Do whatever you want. As long as you don't hit her or flip her off. Game on, baby. Yeah. I don't know. I don't... Like, it's kind of... It's similar to, like, the bat flip thing in baseball like if somebody crushes a home run and then does a fun bat flip get over it man stop throwing meatballs i don't know what to tell you like this whole sportsmanship (laughs) is in these older sports with these younger players and not to mention the internet and social media where people want to get that in your face thing it's like let them have it isn't this supposed to be entertaining you know, everybody, every now and again, like every five years or so, the steroid and baseball thing comes around. It's like, oh, just let them do it. It's like, oh, you're going to let them do it, but the guy celebrating a home run a little too hard, you're going to, you want to suspend him for a game? I just don't understand it, Dave. I don't understand it's, it's, it. There's no context. Like, context gets lost generationally. Like, your kids do what they see you doing, but they don't know why you're doing what you're doing. They just do the thing that you did, and they have no idea why. So they just kind of put it out there. You're like, what are you doing? That's not what that's about. That's not what that's for. It's like, you did it. And I'm like, uh, but there's a little bit more contextual information that goes along with it. And you don't understand it all. I don't need to understand it. Yeah. I'm just doing it. And you're like, okay. Well, that's my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think there's a good in between there where I think that that individual celebrations are good, you know, but if it overtakes the game, then yeah, that's a little too much. But football, it's I, I like that they have the team celebrations, you know, like some of my favorite things, dude. T.O. not only was one of my favorites because he was a 49er when he was the most great, but Terrell Owens had the best celebrations, hands down, I've ever seen in any sport. They're the most clever. Other people tried to imitate him. That's how good they were. 
But like he score a touchdown, go run over to cheerleaders and grab the pom poms and start cheering with cheerleaders. Hilarious. Go take somebody's popcorn and eat it through the helmet. Hilarious. Take a sharpie, sign a football. Hilarious. You know, and then you get that taken away. You get like somebody setting up the football and knocking over the pylon like they're golfing. Those things are hilarious and fun. The potato sack races they got, they brought back. Like all these things they brought back. But for a time there, they took it away. They took away the individuality of the sport and the fun. And I just hate that baseball kind of has this curmudgeon old time thing where it's like, if you like baseball, you have to be as old as dirt and you have to love that dirt's old. And it's like, well, that's, I do like it. It's a great premise for a game. Maybe we spice it up a little bit. I don't understand why there's issues with that. Let's put a pitch clock in. That is, I don't know. I mean, I do kind of appreciate the pitch clock, but at the same time, it's just one more thing you got to think about instead of being out there playing ball. Yeah. So it's kind of tough there. But this, you know, the bench is clearing for people celebrating a home run and stuff. I think that's a little, I think it's a little over the top. And I know what I'm talking about, man. I just got back from WrestleMania. I went to WrestleMania. I never thought that was going to happen. It? it was awesome, dude. It was so incredibly awesome. Like, again, kind of, we were talking like, uh, like fun action movies. Um, we were talking before we started here, like Dungeons and Dragons, like something that has a good storyline that I know nothing about and I can just enjoy the product. It was WrestleMania, man. Like, I kind of know about a couple of wrestlers a little bit because my son's into it, but I don't pay attention to it whatsoever. So I just got to go and see the Super Bowl of wrestling. Everybody trying their absolute best. It was you awesome. Your son with you? Yeah, no, it was the whole crew. The whole family went, and it was a blast, dude. I, I went to Saturday. I didn't go to both days, but I went to Saturday. And they put on a show. These guys put on a show. I don't know why in the history of hell they have a ramp that's like 200 yards long for these wrestlers to go down to the ring. Like, they're exhausted by the time they get to the ring and have to go do what they got to do. <laughs> Especially if they're running, like old man John Cena. It's like, he's the first match of WrestleMania, kick this thing off, and he's like hustling down there. You could tell by the end he's like, lightly jogging he's not running anymore he's like dude this is he underestimated how long the run was yeah but it's dude it was uh it's interesting i think that anybody that shits on wrestling should go to a live event i mean obviously wrestlemania was super incredibly cool but i also uh had the chance to go to smackdown to take my dude to smackdown which was the friday show before wrestlemania and that was awesome People doing the big battle, you know, I'm old school that doesn't know a lot about wrestling, so they did a big battle royal with like 30 guys over the top rope. That's my shit. Royal Rumble, I can watch that all the time. <clears throat> and that's, honestly, that's a trick if you need to, uh, if you're a parent that watches wrestling and you want to get some action on it, just bet on the matches. It's so much fun. Royal Rumble. Fake matches. Dude, I won more money betting on WrestleMania than I have the opening four days of baseball this year. Now, not saying that that's something to be said because I haven't been doing great in baseball, but I've been doing okay. But I made a ton of money on WrestleMania. How can you bet on fake matches? Uh, sleazy sportsbook. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so like, don't they know the winners already? They do. But they're pretty good at keeping it not leaked, especially for, like, a WrestleMania thing. And they don't usually, like, you can't, uh, where I wager, anyway, you can't bet on, like, everyday stuff. Like, you can't bet on the Monday night show or whatever. It's only, like, big events. And some of the big events, like, you can only bet on one match. But for whatever reason, WrestleMania had them all on there. So, because I even did my due diligence. Okay. Like, there was... There was one match that I'm like, okay, these guys are both even. None of the other, other matches are, have even odds. Everybody's like heavy favorite, you know, heavy underdog, which basically tells you which way the match is going to go. 
Um, but there were a couple that went the other way, a couple that went the underdog way, but there's one that was even odds. I'm like, okay, let me dig into this, do a little research on this. And I could not find one thing that was a leak, that was a something, nothing on any of the WrestleMania matches. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to make some money here. And I was like, I was holding the, like my phone up and waiting for a match to start to see who got introduced second so I could bet on the person that got introduced second because usually they win. And it was like, they were pretty tight with when they were pulling down the windows. It was like, as soon as the match was officially like, they're being introduced, it was taken off the table. So, but the best thing is Royal Rumble is if you could get like, you know, eight to ten people in the room and you all get to pick a number, you don't know who your wrestler is. It's just one through 30. And then if you just happen to pick the person that wins, you win the pot. It's great. That one's fun. If you haven't noticed, Dave, I can be a degenerate gambler from time to time. <laughs> I'm seeing that. Okay. Not all the time, but sometimes when it's appropriate, like the Masters are, are this week, I'm heavy into the Masters, the golf tournament. So I've got my... I usually pick three to four uh, golfers in big tournaments. This one I took five just because they have the PGA and the LIV, which kind of split off and did their own thing. But at the Masters, they're all allowed to play. So it's kind of interesting to see this. It's going to be fun because for the first time, the Masters has a second layer of competitiveness as opposed to just being the winner of the Masters is like this prestigious thing where it's... You know, it's the tournament of all tournaments. Right. It's like winning Wimbledon. There's more Grand Slam titles, but Wimbledon is Wimbledon. You know what I mean? So they have that element. Now they also have this element of these two different leagues that have just talked shit about each other constantly. And it's like the LIV makes more money, pays out more money, so everybody in the LIV is like, whatever, all you peasants just keep on knocking the ball in the hole for no amount of money. And then... All the PGA guys are like, you guys are sellouts. You guys are taking Saudi money. How are you guys not seeing that that's not okay? And they're like, fuck you guys. It's money, it's money, it's money. And so there's like, now there's this competitive thing to where they started practice rounds today at the Masters. And some of the team captains, because the way they do it in LIV is with teams. They're wearing like their team logo at a PGA event. So it's like they're already trying to get under each other's skin. It's going to be very interesting to see how the pairings go. And like if people get matched up that don't like each other. And, you know, it's it's a little extra wrinkle in the golf game that's usually not there. I gotcha. I gotcha. So that part will be a little interesting. But um, I try to stick to major events to gamble on and wager on. I do like I will go on streaks where if I'm paying attention to a sport then I'll start to then I'll be like okay I've been watching for the last 3 days I think I can I can maneuver the next 2 days and then if I win then I'm like all right let's keep going until we lose here you know the gambler's constant cycle but if I start losing then I'm like oh nope you have not been paying attention as much as you thought you have buddy you need to back off this NBA and the NBA season this year has just been wild yeah yeah, with these now they have seven spots for the play-in, and yes. just everybody's taking a lot more time off, and there's like game time decisions on injuries are wild this year. The starting lineup that you can bet on a basket basketball game in the morning will change by two p.m. So it's either like you think somebody's not going to play, so you take the line where it's heavy in the morning and hope that it changes or you take the line and then your guy doesn't play. You take the Mavericks and then Luca doesn't play and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I just threw that bet away. So it's very, the NBA has been very tricky and fickle this year. So I try to stay away from it. Like I said, I jumped into baseball a little bit. Um, I've been doing okay. I think I've hit like nine out of 12 bets so far this year, which okay, it's okay. It's okay. But I, it's still the beginning of the season, so I'm not really hammering the amounts. I'm just trying to get some wins under my belt. You know, success breeds success, so I'm trying to stay in that mindset. But that also is usually detrimental because I'm like, after a few wins in a row, I'm like, I got this. 
let's up the ante here. And then I'm like, well, all that hard work is gone. <laughs> it's kind of like building up your set. You know, it's like, man, I got all these killer jokes. And then the second one you forget. And then the rest of your set is trash. And you're like, oh, no, I just got to ride this out. <laughs> yeah. How have, yeah. You been, how have you been doing with that lately? How have you been doing with, been, uh, with your comedy? I've been doing better. I've been feeling myself. I've been feeling more myself i have been having issue with that a little bit but uh but now i'm starting to feel myself more so i can wing it a little bit i can play through an audience i can talk to people and still keep going where i want to go with my comedy set but now i need to start building out again i need to start building material out yeah wordly where i just kind of been working through the material that i've had for the last two years three years now I need to start writing new stuff. I feel to push that envelope further. I think that if I can actually, because I feel like I'm ready to write stuff, but I'm not writing anything. Like, I'm like, I know what I'm ready to write. Write what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's time. Good. So now I got to start picking and choosing. Because I talk about my wife and my kids and my work. And I feel like I've covered all of that to a certain point, but now I got to reach back into that bag and figure out new stuff to work from. You know, the pandemic is over so much and so forth. So I'm not sure where I want to go outside of that, but I will find a place to be soon. So what is your, do you have like a pretty standard process with your writing or is it kind of just ebbs and flows comes and goes? It, it, it rides in and rides out on its own. It, it kind of like, oh, that's a good idea, or I'll think about something. Like, usually, I'm pretty quick-witted. I was quick-witted. And so, like, I would just kind of flow off of anything that started my day and then just kind of uh, turn that into a joke, where that's been a bit harder of late. But I'm starting to get back to that place where I feel like I can kind of, uh, oh, my car didn't want to start this morning. Okay, Cardi, I want to start. What does that have to do with my day? Blah, blah, blah. Now I can kind of riff my way a bit into it, but not as easily as I used to. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite as to where, like I have, honestly, I'm still figuring out my process. And I don't know that I'll ever have one particular one, but I do have things that I try and try and do. And I'm the opposite. Like when I'm coming up with material... I sit down and I write and I'll just write and write and write and write and write. And then I'm like, okay, until I find something that I'm writing, sometimes it's in the first two sentences. Sometimes I know what I'm looking for. And sometimes I got to get into the weeds a little bit for 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I know what I want to say. And I'll just, you know, you can erase everything you just thought of. Let's start fresh here. And then I'll go out, try it, record it listen back to it and then try and just like, Oh, here's a joke here. You missed, or I don't like that. Move it around. And I just kind of like do it on the fly like that. What I want to start doing. And it's just, it's only because I put so much pressure on myself to every time try and deliver something. So it's like, I need, I need to figure out that thing where I can just go up there, not have anything to say and find something to say. And so I need to, yeah. that's what I, kind of where I was before. That's kind of what I had going. Yeah. Now I'm kind of like lost for that structural window, but yeah, uh, you're in the purgatory of writing and improv and <laughs> yeah, I like, I need to, the problem is, uh, unfortunately, you know, something that you and I have in common that if we don't, or at least me, if, if, if I don't talk to people, I'm not as quick as I usually am. So the more I talk, it at least gets out all the garbage I don't want to say. And then when I'm focused, it's like, oh, I got all, all these little crystals I can choose from because all the weeds are cleared out and I can see all the gems right now. But if I don't talk to people, I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. <laughs> My thing is now when I talk to people, I just kind of listen and then just repeat the last thing they said back to them. Like, uh, oh, that's marriage 101, Dave. 
then it's like, uh, yeah, the the Lakers game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know where to go with it, but I just like, I just repeat the last thing back and then it's like, wow. Yeah. 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 It, Your it, wife it, doesn't get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right now. I don't either. I guess I see you, but it, it's, that is something that I think is, I don't know the correct word to place here. Um, I think it's at least at a bare minimum overlooked is to do what we do and go up and, and try and be funny and, and do stand up comedy. If, if you're us and your brain is foggy or not firing properly, it feels like, it feels like you're on a boat without a leg. Like you're like, how am I going to get through this? I know I know how to stand, and I know that I've been on a boat before. But I don't know how to move on this boat right now. I'm just kind of here. Yeah. 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 And so getting those sea legs back is a really big thing because, you know, it's almost like trying to be, you know, what we do is every time a challenge because you don't know, like, every audience is different. Mm -hmm. Some audiences can love you. Some audiences can hate you. Some audiences cannot even be there. And so you've got to always try and figure out. I can't tell you how many times I went into a mic with an idea of what I was going to do. And then so much time had passed before I got up. I was like, I don't, I'm lost. I forgot what I was going to do or it's incredibly clunky. And then I'm just like, what? This was a waste of time. <laughs> and it's not really but it feels like that sometimes more often than not. Like if I went up there with a goal and I didn't hit that goal, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what, what, what am I doing? Yeah. And those are always tough. So I think something that does get overlooked, you know, and it's interesting to try. And for me, at least you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, but to try and feel out the room of like who wants to be talked to and who doesn't, because sometimes that's helpful and sometimes who's it's not. And who's not. Yeah, it's it's very, you know, especially like doing the open mics that we do with the same crew that we do. You know, we're always trying to just be up there and run certain stuff. But at a certain point, if you're trying to hone a couple of jokes or punchlines or even, you know, sets that you know are good, you're just trying to tweak them or hone them in, it's really hard to do that when it's, you know, the same 10 people have heard you take this joke from nothing into what it is now. And they're like, okay, it's hard to get feedback. And so yeah. if you're not in the right mental state of, or me at least, like when I go up there, I always have a thing that I'm like, okay, this is what I'm working on. But if I get to the point where my brain isn't working, it's foggy, and I get up there and I'm like, okay, well, I just did it, but I didn't learn anything. That's when it's tough for me. So I don't know if you're if you're in that state at all or if you're just kind of like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. It's just response. not clicking. Mine is the response from the audience. If I can understand, if I understand what kind of responses I'm getting, then I'm good to go. You know, good or bad. If I'm not getting anything, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna race through versus the fact of they're responding to every little turn, even though they've heard this turn before. They're responding to it. You're like, okay, I feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident in that little this little area of the bit, and give them that, or like wing a piece of it, or try something new in there, and I feel good about it. And then it's like I'll get a chuckle, a laugh, and then you're like, okay, yeah, we're on the right working. track. Or yeah. you got, or you guys are with me. That's good because here we go. We're we're already on this path. I know you guys are with me. I I need yeah. to do that. I mean, you were, you're the mayor of the open mic. You're the first person that actually like gave me any advice in this business at all. And, um, here to come think I was special, Dave, and you saw something in me. And then I turn around, you're talking to every Tom, Dick and Joe that's has Cheetos hanging out of their fucking ears. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I'm not special at all. Dave is special, but well, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of, you know, you went through some stuff and you, you said you're getting your head back. And your big thing is, 
you were able to listen and write in your head at the same time so fast that sometimes you'd be writing something on your phone and stop because you're like, I just picked up something else. And that you're like, you're so in tune with the everything. So you're getting back to it. And that's one of the first things you said, which I still do to this day. I really try not to, um, is I was Ted talking the shit out of everybody. Like I would get up there and I would do my bits and then I would get off the stage and <laughs> you're like, are you done with that yet? Are you going to like, let this be a thing? Uh, a journey, an interaction, a conversation. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So I've gotten better at doing that in the beginning. Like, hey, let me feel you out. Let's see which, how I'm going to start this, how how hard I'm going to go in the paint to start. And then I kind of go on my roll. But what I need to start doing, which is why I'm trying to encourage myself to go up there with maybe an idea and just talk through it, even if there's not a ton of killer punchlines in there or anything, is so that I can get more comfortable so that when I am rolling through the punchlines, I can go off on the tangent that everybody wants me to and I'm just, I'm like, oh, I think I know where you guys want this to go. Instead of doing that, being more open to, let's see where this goes together. I don't know, but you trust me. I trust you. Let's let's talk about it. You know, I want to, that's where the gems are found and I'm not, I'm only allowing myself to manufacture gems. I'm not allowing myself to go out and find them. And so I really, I need to switch that gear. So I think it's kind of a perfect time to do it since I'm kind of like in this weird purgatory of material as well. It's like I took, kind of unfortunately, I took a similar time off that you did, but not on purpose. You know, it's like I was in and out of rooms for six to eight weeks but I didn't go up all the time. I was mainly just around just to, to keep my face in the loop and say hi and check in on everybody else. Like, I'm not doing great, but how are you guys? I just need to make sure everybody else is doing their thing. And so I'm kind of in this purgatory of material to where I'm like, I can just come up with new stuff because I have a couple of old things that still are unfinished, but I'm kind of over it. So, it, you know. I started to go back in those as like, hey, get back. When you get back out there, just run some old stuff that's not done. And maybe you'll get the wheels to, you know, grease the wheels a little bit. And then it comes down to like, oh, I thought I was going up when there were people here. Now there's no people here. I don't want to yeah. run my old bit. And then now I'm also standing here with nothing new. So then old bits come to with new clunky points. And it's like this weird thing. So I'm kind of just like, you know what? Maybe I just go up there and talk about what's happening in the room until something sparks, you know, give it one of the, give it the old college try of, Hey, uh, this is my first open mic. What do I do? You know, go figure it out that way. Who knows? Something right on. this, this comedy game that we're in, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch people that we care about and work with to, to do great things and to hang out and see him <laughs> struggling just like us and commiserate with that. Just Hey, you know, pat on the back. It's all good. It's one of the more up and down businesses on a day to day basis that I've ever seen besides the stock market. It's the emotional stock market, man. <laughs> it, it's, it's wild. <laughs> you just hope that everybody that's really into it just stays with it and doesn't cut out just because it gets, I mean, it can trample your soul sometimes. Oh, yeah. It hasn't oh, yeah. done that to me yet, but I'm sure it will. Uh, hang in there. I'm just, yeah. No, I think it's one of those things where if you hang around long enough, you're bound to catch the hammer a few times. But yeah. that to be said, whether it be comedy, whether it be vacation, whether it be military... Each episode try and round out with like a top five favorite whatever the fuck's. So, considering that you're a well-traveled man, give me your top five favorite cities in the world. Um, let's see. Uh, Roppongi, Japan. What's going on in Roppongi besides I was, Japanese when I was living bars? In Japan, when I was living in Japan, I worked at a bar. I worked at a bar called Gas Panic, and it was in Roppongi. And uh, we had like five of them there. I used to bounce. And my job was to keep my boss from punching people in the face. <laughs> and uh, that, that was the whole deal there and drinking with that guy. 
uh, Utrecht, Amsterdam, like Utrecht, the Netherlands, right outside of Amsterdam. It was a spot that I lived in that I loved growing up. I turned of age there. I was like 20, like I think I was like 24, 25 there living there and, and playing volleyball for a living. That was cool. Uh, I got to give up for Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, where I studied and performed. That was a great place to live and to study and have family and support and go through the rigors of all this entertainment stuff that we're doing. Give it up for LA. Cause it was definitely the, uh, yeah, I definitely turned into a real adult out here living out here 20 years, no, like finding out how to pay rent and stuff like that and not have a job. That's a hell of a place to learn how to pay rent, L.A. Right, <laughs> yeah, try to figure out how to live. What other place? It's where um, you became a real man. Yeah, yeah, I met my wife, everything else, yeah. I met her out here. Is there any other place? Uh, I think that might be it. It might have four. You don't so have five. a favorite part. What's your favorite place to party? What's the best city to party in or just cut That would loose? be Rapungi. That would be Rapungi. Okay. The Netherlands or the Netherlands. Yeah. So definitely not US soil if you want to party. No. You know, you you make do with what you have. You know, you make do with LA LA scene for what it is. Yeah, I was about to say something else, but I was like, no, I don't want to add that place. So no. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Some people only like going four places. Yeah. I dig that, man. Do you have any travels coming up in this year? Uh, we're going to Vegas, family reunion coming up, uh, and then a wedding in Wisconsin in the summer. A so, yeah. Family reunion in Vegas? You guys are wild. <laughs> or is that just the one place where it's like yeah. everybody has to travel, but like half the people want to go to Vegas? So it's like, fuck it, we're doing it in Vegas? I think it's more along the lines of how do we get the West Coast family to get involved with our East Coast kind of Midwestern things? We take it to Vegas, closer to them. Got you. So they brought it up here so that we would come, so that we have no excuse not to go. Yeah, it's either Salt Lake City, Utah, or Las Vegas. Uh, we're going Vegas, baby. Yeah, they tried to do it in Missouri the other year. It's like, nah. Oh, nah nobody's going, going to Missouri. People yeah, that leave not, live in Missouri are trying to leave for family reunions. That's not. Yeah. There's one good town in Missouri, and it's only because they won a Super Bowl. Other than that, you can have Missouri. Okay. Yeah. That, how about this? For your fifth city, what's the worst city you've ever been to? <laughs> worst city. Uh... It could also be L.A. No, I'm trying to think of the worst city I've ever been to. Uh, I used to, I usually find something good in every city. Uh, I don't know if I have a worst. God damn it, Dave! You're just such a nice dude. You don't have a worst. I don't. I don't know if I have a worst place on earth to be. Mm. Yeah, I kind of like every place I've been. Would you ever go to the Antarctic? Yeah, I'd go. Yeah? Yeah, I want to see what's frozen under the ground. I want to see what they don't want us to see. Yeah. We're only looking at the tip of the iceberg, Dave. Yeah, they're only showing us the tip of the iceberg anyway. Yeah. Let's go investigate the adventures of DC and BM. That doesn't sound, yeah. that doesn't sound yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up this week. Dave Carter, you're one of the best I know. I so appreciate you being on this week. Hope you had a good time. Tell everybody where they can find you, whether it be on the internet machine or out in the world. Where you at, dude? Um, You can catch me on... Uh, I don't even know anymore. Uh, you can catch me at D Carter Comedy. Uh, that's my website, which I don't update very often. Uh, He's also D Carter then, Comedy on Instagram. R.com. That's .com. And then he yeah, had D Carter Comedy on Instagram. And that's it. And then you can catch me on Thursdays 
at Corbin Bowl, and then Tuesdays you can catch me at Maui Sugar Mill working out material. That's about it. And then you can follow his IG for any upcoming shows. He does lots of shows all over the Valley, North Hollywood, Burbank, all these great locations and places. Um, so follow him on Instagram at D Carter comedy. You can follow me at Brendan McCorkle comedy and do whatever you do with clicks. I don't know. It's fun. Dave, thank you so much for being on this week. It's an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to see you tonight at Maui sugar mill. I will be there. Maybe just with no material. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. All right, DC. Have a great one. And on that note, peace.